welcome to the Embrace radio show here on Soul Traveller Radio, brought to you by Embrace. Visit Embrace Westfield, Sydney or online at embraceaustralia.com.au. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation. Have we got a delightful show for you today? My guest on the Embrace Radio show is the wonderful Lucy Cavendish, known for her teachings of the occult and wicker. She is known as a witch. Not a white witch, just a witch. Lucy believes in magic. Lucy lives her life from the belief that magic is a healthy and empowering natural part of who we are. When worked with and lived with can assist all of us to live in integrity and experience greater and truer happiness, health and abundance. Hello, welcome to the Embrace Radio Show. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation and a psychic medium. And I'm so delighted to have on the show today, Lucy Cavendish. Welcome, Lucy, to Embrace Radio Show on Soul Traveller Radio. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me (laughs) after the rocky road. (laughs) We've had a great morning. I've learned many things. It's always good to learn, yeah. <laughs> the two of us are in Sydney, but we're doing this on Skype. We tried to do it on Blab, but we didn't get the tech right, so we're Skyping it today. We're going to talk a bit about Lucy's journey, but she's just released a new book, which your publisher sent me, which is called Witches and Wizards, and it looks fascinating, real life stories behind Oracle's greatest legends. It looks wonderful. I haven't read it yet. I've got books piled up everywhere that I'm supposed to be reading, but I've flipped through it, and it just looks amazing because it's got beautiful photographs in it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a well, scary one. <laughs> that is a scary one. But anyway, there are photographs. Look, I love a book that has photographs in it because I'm a very visual same. person. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and uh, and I love looking at a picture. Yeah. I've actually become so lazy now. I, I like to actually get downloads and get the computer to read me the book so I don't even have to. Oh. Oh, okay. I don't wow. even have to read the book. The computer reads it to me. <laughs> Soon we'll just get little things that we can just, you know, tap into our brain and we'll download the whole book That's and it. then live the experience as well if we want to. So, wow. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm still very, yeah, I really like, I like books that are textural. I like that, that, uh, that feeling of being able to hold something in my hand. I do have a Kindle, but it, um, it exploded. Oh, so <laughs> maybe I'm destined just for hard copy. I'm not sure. Look, you're not alone. I'm a bit of a techno buff, so I quite like everything that's on the computer, although my eyes don't like the computer anymore. A lot of people say about books and magazines that they still like to hold something, you know, they like to hold things. Yeah, it's that sense of permanency, I think, that it gives you as well. Even though you can download, you can watch it, it feels very fleeting and very fragmented. When you enter into a book and you really enter into a book, you stay in that world for a while. And I think that's a really different experience. And I think it does something really settling and beautiful to our brains and to our spirits as well. Yeah, Yeah. you go on a journey, don't you? Go on this beautiful journey. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've certainly gone to a lot of places I've never been. So... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Just as well. So... (laughs) I want to get a little bit into your journey because it's a fascinating journey. So you have been, you. it says on your website that you were seeing beings when you were a child, when you were a young child. Do you want to yep. just walk us through what was happening? Sure. When I was, look, I can't actually re- even remember how old I was. Um, initially, I, I do have a very strong memory of being maybe, uh, look, I was still in nappies and I have this very strong memory of, sleeping on my bed or in my cot and my astral body kind of separating from my physical body and seeing myself with a silver cord floating above and the funny thing was my little astral body also had nappies on because I remember that really clearly that I was like, <laughs> That's and in retrospect, thinking about it, it, it always cracks me up. It's like my little astral body made sure that it had things, you know, for me on. to recognize yeah. it with. I know. So I didn't do astral poos um, all over the world. I, I don't really know what was going on. But this little astral being who was me sort of went off and went on this little bit of a journey. And I, I remember I kind of went out the window and I went down the side of the house. And then I think I got a little freaked out and was like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm leaving my body. I'm leaving my home. I'm leaving my mom. I'm leaving my potty. And, you know, immediately kind of rushed back into my own body with this. And it was with a bit of a 
clump, you know, it was a really strong sort of um, re-entry into my own physical body. And I I guess that's the first real memory I have of that sort of experience. And then I began to experience a lot of stuff around, the, you know, the classic time between around midnight and 3 a.m. where you have beings who are either sort of, they weren't always visible. Sometimes they were more, you could feel them. Um, sometimes they were lovely and sometimes they weren't so lovely. Sometimes I could see them. Sometimes they appeared as, say, oh, I had a really strong these hands that used to appear all the time in front of me and they used to do things they used to make signals and they used to sort of whether talk I don't know whether they were talking to me or what they were doing but as a little kid I was like I don't know what you're doing um but I remember they they took all the clothes out of my closet one day and just took my clothes out and sort of waved them in front of me and then put them back in and it was I don't know whether they were like maybe a great-grandmother's hands or something saying would you tidy your room um I I don't know what (laughs) I don't know what was going on but there you know there was just a lot of that kind of activity and some of it was unpleasant and some of it was upsetting and some of it was you know I would sort of come to as a young kid you know I'd sort of almost go unconscious then come to and I'd been a different part of the room or a different part of the house wow um just and I didn't know how to make sense of it you know as a kid because I have a very grounded family you can probably tell by my manner that I'm pretty you know I'm pretty grounded person and I have a lot of common sense and I have this really beautiful really grounded very outdoorsy very sporty family and you know as as you know I grew up on the northern beaches in Sydney and we just spent all of our time outside and I really think that kind of saved me in lots of ways that connection with nature and being outdoors Mm -hmm. made me feel a lot more together and a lot more grounded and then I did and I didn't tell my parents for a long long time because they were so grounded and I went to a Catholic school and it's certainly not something you tell the nuns and I eventually told my mum when I got to about 14 because I was actually getting really scared of going to sleep I was all all going to bed I was really really scared of what would happen between those hours because as you become a teenager you attract different kinds of energies and that was really not cool um so yeah around about the time I told my mum yeah what was going on and my mum said you know let's take you to see a psychic and you know I just went no (laughs) I went no 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 way so it was really go mum I thought she was going to say psychiatrist but psychic no 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 my mum was like let's take you to see a psychic right and I actually was the one who was like no let's not but I went on my own journey because I I then had my parents support I suppose I then went on my own journey to try and find out what the hell was going on with me yeah, you know yeah. and and why did I feel so weird and why wasn't everyone else talking about this stuff and yeah, yeah 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 it's odd absolutely well you know back when you were a kid it wasn't as common as it is now because I really believe that yeah. you know there are there are kids coming in on mass that are just more yep. open you know more connected yep. star seeds you know they're coming from different dimensions they're just they're coming they're coming they're here and obviously yep. this sort of thing's happening more yep. but I've got a client that's got an extraordinary child and she doesn't know where to go there's no group for parents yeah. that have extraordinary children which is interesting and um, you know extraordinary psychic or buddhic type beings or yeah, it's yeah. It's, um, mm. it's interesting. People often come to me and say, you know, my kid's like this, what do I do? And I exactly. say, chop wood, carry water. I think it's still really important to focus on being a good human being, first of all, regardless of your talents. And I think then you've got to support your kid by giving them a context into which to put what's taking place because that's what really freaked me out I had no context really I had two contexts one was nature (laughs) and one was Catholic school and I know which one I know which one was better (laughs) for me and which one supported me and helped me Um, and fortunately I have really incredible loving parents so it wouldn't have mattered how weird I was Um, yeah your parents sound pretty switched on yeah they're cool Mm. they're really cool people Mm. and you know I guess there's got to be some family stuff going on there too but we I think it was almost good in some ways as well not to have parents who were like wow you're a divine child and you're this and that because I think that's a lot of pressure to put on kids too I think it's really important that kids feel supported to explore but it's almost as dangerous I think to tell kids that they're super special as to tell them that they're crazy you've got to find a way to help them feel 
that possibly the most important thing is for them to be ethical and kind and everything will flow from then. And that, that's what my parents gave me because they're really good people with really good ethics. I think that just meant the world to me. And, you know, now sort of, you know, my dad's, you know, in the process of dying right now. And I, I kind of think sometimes like I really lucked out. <laughs> I really, really lucked out with my family and, and my mum and dad because they're just awesome people. How old is he? Is he in his 80s? No, he's um, he's 75 this year and oh, yeah. he has a yeah, he is. He's young. He's got a, a, a really um, aggressive form of um, dementia. Oh. That's a whole other story and a whole other adventure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sad as it is, you know, I can't help but feel like I got so lucky mm. with these people or I got so blessed or, you know, my destiny was to be with these people. And because of that, I think I grew up a lot less... The phenomena that I was experiencing could have been really scarring and could have been really mismanaged by other people. I got lucky because mm. they never, ever said to me anything other than, you know, we love you and we think you're wonderful and you're an intelligent and good person and, that, and you know, being good is what matters most. Mm. So, you so know, obviously that was... when you were young, like probably when you left school and decided to because you did you start pursuing you know who you are today coming out doing Ew. Uh, <laughs> did you did you go to university and do a, an arts degree yeah. or something of course I did yeah yeah no look I I guess for me what I've managed to do now is marry the two things that I really love and and that's always been books and writing and mysticism and this sense of wonder, approaching the world with a sense of wonder. So as a grown-up, I'm really lucky because, you know, I, and I've created that. But as a, as a young person, I had no idea what I wanted to do and I had no idea what I could do and I kind of floundered around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, you know, I always wanted to do this work in a way, but I didn't know that you could do it as work. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was my little special insanity, um, you know, and I kind of kept it under wraps for a you, long time. You, you, yeah. You're talking about my life as well. You know? <laughs> yeah. I used to try and then, everything but, and just sit in bed at night reading my spiritual books and not thinking that I, it would become my work one day when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was trying to, and I spent some time definitely trying to fit in, like really trying quite hard to fit in whatever that means because it doesn't really mean anything. And that's so damaging, as, as you'd know. Yeah, it wasn't really until I, I had a, I had a, a late-term miscarriage when I was about 25 and it was a very, very difficult experience and I kind of ran away from the world that I knew and all the people that I knew to try and find a way to reclaim whoever I was at the bottom of that experience because it really kind of broke me. I went to England. I lived in London in a crazy household with about 14 people from all over the world living in this house. And I'm everyone who lived in the house was like, I'm a painter, but I'm also a chakra seer. And it was like, <laughs> I'm a dancer and I can, I can paint auras. And everyone in the house was creative and everyone in the house was really switched on. Wow. Really, really switched on. So Harry the dancer taught me how to see auras and <laughs> and you know one of one of our friends who dropped around one day had a tarot deck and I was just like, what are these? I know about these, but I've not had them, you know, around me ever before. And that was it for me. That was just it. How the old tarot- were you then? About twenty four. 24. I was in London when I was about, oh, I don't know, 19 and 22, I think, doing the same Mm -hmm. thing. But my household were not spiritual people. They were just girlfriends from school studying, you know, the Gordon Blue and whatever they were doing. I was working in a bar with all the punks in London. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, that's, I think that's what a lot of us do. We try and find, because I could have gone that route where I was like, and I probably could have impersonated a normal person for quite some time. I'd have to do something about my hair. But I tried, I did, I did try. I'm just not very good at, at that kind of stuff. And it never lasted. You know, I, I can do it for a little while and then it just doesn't last because yeah, what you supposed want to, to do. Yeah. I only ever wanted to because I guess I was trying to avoid pain because I, yeah. I actually 
was scared that this path would lead me to more ostracism and mm. and more isolation and in some ways it some ways it is a little challenging but in many ways you actually find your people mm-hmm. you know and you end up making friends and you end up finding things that you can do and now I live a life that I never ever thought I never thought I'd be able to do this yeah. and it, and so it is really possible if anyone out there's thinking oh what do I do you can really make up your own kind of existence and and make it really fruitful and meaningful for you look you know I I hang out with a lot of younger people 20s 30s and and that and there is a huge community and there are households full of you know chakrasiers and aura painters and (laughs) just down the road in Bondi like they're everywhere and they put on meditation and music nights and it's just you know it's such a different world and it's so exciting but then I'll go to like an Abraham Hicks it was a few years ago Abraham Hicks and I was in the queue yeah. and I was just talking to people in the queue because I talked to everyone and like there's a there's a nurse <laughs> who says you know nobody understands me where I work in a hospital and then there's this, a psychiatrist student and you know and I'm talking to all these people who feel so isolated in their beliefs yeah. I mean the books are out there your books are out there you know my videos are out there my books are out there look it's all out there but then they work in mainstream and they do feel isolated so yeah sometimes I think maybe we're doing a little bit of undercover secret agent work within those places sometimes I think it's really hard for us but we kind of go in there for a while to be an agent of change in some way and it's not always easy but I bet that some of those people have spoken to someone or told them about something or you know expose them to a new way of thinking or feeling and that will have a ripple effect that you'll never ever know about like I used to take my tarot cards into my you know my my mainstream jobs you know all the time and people would be people thought I was absolutely loony I used to get called Blair Witch Project (laughs) at the last job that I actually had they'd go go and talk to Blair Witch Project and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you don't know you don't know who you've if you've sat there with your cards on your desk and someone's come by and picked them up you don't know how much a conversation or a moment has meant to someone because I know in my life there have been really whimsical moments of perhaps very subtle things for other people like I had a, a conversation with a very old lady once in a library and she changed my life and, and it was very small conversation at the sliding doors of Mona Vale Library and she changed my life. You know, it's, and this is what happens. So maybe all of us who are in these undercover jobs for a, a time are actually doing the really important work. I think it's really important that we have spiritual people in the police force, that we have spiritual people as nurses, we have spiritual people as doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers. We need to be every post postman we need to be everywhere and teachers there's so many teachers so in a way we have to do it we have to do our time (laughs) frustrating and and difficult as as it can be and because that's how we're changing the world from the inside out yeah absolutely look I absolutely agree and and those people tend to be my clients I tend to be a I don't know Mm. a reader a healer for the difference makers that are out there in mainstream which is really interesting I have Mm. to tell you this story because it just blew me away Uh, so my car broke down which is a bit of a pain but then uh, it goes to this new mechanic who's on the phone talking to me and he's going don't you worry I'll fix it I'll fix it I'm thinking oh this guy's so calm it's so nice to talk to this guy he says do you work with the light (laughs) I said what you're like yeah (laughs) but I just so didn't expect it coming from the mechanic he says don't call me a mechanic I'm an electrician and he's just totally undercover you know so he has this you know fixes cars and he completely he's like totally reading me on the phone and giving me this um reading on the phone he had me in tears what he was saying and and I'm just like yeah and then he and he brings over he has to meet me so he brings over his friend who's a who's a a handyman and a healer just loved yeah. it I no, loved this it. is the beautiful thing and and I think that's really important to to mention that because often we tend to think of this as a very feminine um yes. sort of field and that yes. we're in feminine realms but I can tell you like my plumber holds ayahuasca ceremonies <laughs> uh you know my electrician gets uh readings for his mom in particular because she's so worried about you know his dad who's passed you know there's 
It's everywhere. It's yeah. it's not just in one sort of stereotypic. And you don't have to look all um. You know, the people who don't look all um are sometimes the people who are so switched on yeah. and so together and such agents of change. And I love that. It's getting a little bit. I love how spirituality now is becoming a little more varied, a little more diverse, a little more, a little less stereotyped in its own ways Absolutely. as well. <laughs> and yeah, there's all these really cool dudes out there who are out there, you know, fixing our cars and wiring our houses and they are in, they're totally in connection totally. with their connection to spirit. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I want to see. I want, I want, because you know, these people are probably really ethical and really honest as well. You want these people to come and fix your toilet. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> or your car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You want ayahuasca dude to come and, <laughs> he might turn up a little late, but he's, <laughs> <laughs> but he's gonna, you know, he's gonna do the right thing by you. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Oh, look, too fantastic, too fantastic. We might take a break now while I play a song. Yep. I was listening to Daya Dover, and I thought she's perfect for you, so I'm going to play a Daya Dover song. Cool, bring it. I've been traveling around to lots of amazing sacred sites on the earth, lots of festivals like this one and I see a common thing I see people of all colors from all corners of the world rising up together to protect what is sacred and what is true this song is called The Road Welcome back. You're with Karen on the Embrace Radio Show. And today's guest is the fabulous Lucy Cavendish, who's just released a new book called Witches and Wizards, A Real-Life Stories Behind the Occult's Greatest Legends. We haven't talked about the book too much yet because we've been blabbing no. away about... <laughs> We've been blabbing away about your journey, which has been fascinating, and talking about spiritual angels and people undercover, and yeah. uh, and, how, angel. and how and how yeah exactly the mechanic angel. that would be Metatron. <laughs> I'll tell him. She calls up Metatron. So <laughs> I see Metatron. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Um, obviously, your experience as a child being turned on, tuned in, tapped in was different to what people are going through now. It's a different world. But you're still yeah. very much into the world of the occult and mystery. So how yeah. does that land in the real world, you know, when you're talking about wizards and witches and occult? and Because the occult was seen as dark, you know, the, the mainstream put it out. They still put it out. All those silly television shows still put out the whole occult thing. As a, as oh, they still do. There's, uh, a, there's a show coming out reasonably soon about a very dark figure don't really want to go into it because it's creepy um but I noticed that they used a pentacle in the in the show promo and I was just like they trotted out every single time they want to darkness they yes. trot out a pentacle so misuse of that symbol and yes. it does actually irks me I just don't like the misuse of sacred symbols to imply things that really need to it would be like you know when when people misuse something sacred to you it's it's upsetting and it and i i don't get totally worked up about it i just see it and i think well without context it then can seem that the pentacle for example is shorthand for some kind of dark occult practice and that's just not it's just not the case so i really don't like that misuse absolutely and i have to say that as i've sort of witnessed you over the years i really feel like you've been somebody that's been a way shower for that to bring into the light the real story behind the occult and to and to get rid of that whole hollywood you know, if it bleeds, it leads. It was something that someone told me about news. You know, oh. they want to focus on the negative. They want to create oh, negative. Oh, I, you, you yeah, know, yeah. And um, Hollywood wants to create demons and, you know, fear and scare tactics. So I really, I've really seen you as someone who is bringing, you know, that whole occult, witches, wizards, every, all that sort of stuff into the light. Uh, you know, the white witch, I suppose. Have people called you the white witch? Maybe. Yeah, they have. And, and I guess it's something that I've sort of started to, not so much, I don't want to correct people because that seems a little bit rude, but 
the idea of being a white witch assumes that you have to put a word in front of it to reassure yeah. everybody. Yeah, that's right. But that's like saying I'm a nice person. Um, there's a little bit of paranoia about that. I understand why it's taken place, but I think it's almost time to let go of that and just if a person is a witch, they're a witch. If a person is a medium, they're a medium. Yeah. They don't have to say, I'm a good medium. Yeah. Um, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, whereas, for example, you know, in Witches and Wizards, one of the things I go into quite a lot is this idea of nearly all the witches, especially the Witch of Endor, who I, I really love, they're described as necromancers, which really is just being a medium really is just being a medium. Necromancers. Uh, what does that word yeah. mean? Necro means dead, doesn't it? Ra Necro yeah, it means raising the dead or talking to the dead. Oh, necromancers. Yeah. Oh, there's a new word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's 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 an old word. It's an right. old word. And before we had the me. word medium, yeah, before we had the word medium, that was what was used. Okay. So medium arises out of 19th and 20th century spiritualism. Right. Which is a sort of a post World War 1 in particular phenomenon. Prior to that, if you look at all the very old texts, they're always describing witches as necromancers, necromancers, necromancers. And it means that what the witches did is they also spoke to the dead. We, you know, we're very holistic in our practice. It's very rare that you'll meet a witch who does one thing. We tend to have quite a holistic approach because if you start exploring energy and how it works, you really need to know quite a lot about natural cycles, how crystals work, how water works, how all the elements work. You don't tend to just do one one thing. Do you know what I mean? So a lot of witches do have mediumship skills, but may not necessarily describe themselves as a medium. And I think for a long time as well, describing yourself as a witch came with a whole lot of baggage and a lot of people Absolutely. were really un unwilling to engage with that. And I guess I kind of, I don't want to sound like, oh, I took it on because I'm such a girl hero, but it was like, <laughs> I, did, I did take it on because I did feel like this is this yeah. is who I am and this is my path and, yeah. I, and I really yeah. feel that it's right to reclaim this word and to give it its dignity. Absolutely. You're you know, but I wouldn't have taken yeah. that on. I, think, I remember when yeah. I was like a naturopathic student, my chiropractor of all people saw the symbol of the triangle. I might be wrong, but he said, oh, that's the symbol of the white witch or the witch. And and um, I remember thinking, oh, that, that, I don't know if that's right. That's just what my chiropractor said. incorrect. Incorrect. Well, no, that, was his, that was his slant on it. And, no, um, this is and, the thing. Uh, like everyone has their interpretation, but mm -hmm. these symbols have a history and a real integrous energy to them. Them. and to have them dispossessed and it's you know and, and it happens all throughout history people take symbols because they have power and then they use them in the wrong way so it's true that some people who are not working in healthy ways probably have taken some of the symbols and used them incorrectly but that doesn't mean that the symbol belongs to those people it doesn't you know the, the pentacle does not belong to Hollywood Satanism. Yes. It never yes. has. It's a Pyth it, Pythagoras came up with it. You know, it's, it's, ugh, it kind of drives me crazy. But people like shorthand. The people like shorthand. And I think sometimes people get their jollies thinking that there's evil out there rather than looking at their propensity for darkness Absolutely. or Absolutely. evil. That's where the bad stuff happens. Yeah. And the real black yeah. magic and the real bad stuff is in politics and government <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. If you really want to talk about black magic, let's talk about politics, yeah. you know, because yeah. most of the time, most of the time the energy work being done, you know, most people are just, we're, we're all learning. We're all learning. And I just don't think the Hollywood idea and the Hollywood stereotype of evil is what we really should be worried about. I think it's a huge red herring to what we should actually be looking at. Well, interestingly well, enough, the, the whole reason I went on uh, media was because I think the black magic is done in the media. I mean, the black magic is just what you believe. It's really just a belief. You do believe in good, the good of the universe, or do you see everything that's going wrong? It's really a shift in perspective. And the media is just pumping out this you know, fear-based stuff. And I just thought, I have to, I have to stop this somehow. I have to, I have to do something. I have to do something. So I went on and radio. You know, it, yeah, and it does because of people like you and, and all, you know, so many of us have been doing this work and 
I think it does change. I, th- I know now that there is a huge difference in the way the media approaches me now okay. to 10 years ago. I don't have to explain half the things. People are actually really respectful. They're open and they're not scared. They're not scared because people, and sometimes people still are scared. I I did a television thing not so long ago and the the poor intern was terrified of me. Really? And, yeah, and I didn't sort of sit it down and say, hey, you know, trust me, I'm a really nice person because I can't (laughs) think of anything more creepy um, than actually doing that. But she took the opportunity later on to say I was really frightened of you and I said, yeah, I, I know, I know you were. And I said, if you want to ask me anything, ask me anything. But... You know, I think you've just got to take people as people. I said it's really big organisations with lots of effed up people that you've got to be more worried about. So I think collectively human beings are quite scary as well. I think collectively when we, when, because we're quite powerful, when collectively human beings come together and they all focus on paranoia and, and fear and and even when they think they're doing the right thing and working in the light, in actual fact, they're undermining everyone's power. And if you undermine everyone's power, we can't turn things around. We've got to start seeing how powerful we are. Yeah. Because we're oh, awesome. Yeah. We're awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. We're just so, we're so bright and strong. And, you know, the more people sort of say, oh, but we're powerless in the face of these organizations. It's like, no, no, they're powerless when yeah. you withdraw your power from yeah, them yeah. yes you'll still you still might have to pay your electricity bill yeah. but there's a hundred different ways of of living in this world mm. you don't have to be a slave mm. oh beautiful such a beautiful message and um you know you're doing good work Don. doing good work let's well, put thanks. on another, let's put on another song <laughs> what's your favorite music what's your favorite musician conscious I'm, musician look, I'm, I really love Wendy Rule. She is a a witch and a fantastic songwriter, singer, musician, and she has a really beautiful song called Shine. She has so many beautiful songs. I'd be stoked if you could play something by Wendy. Oh, beautiful. Well, let's put on Wendy Rule then. Swain. I'm hosting the Embrace radio show and I'm talking to Lucy Cavendish who's just put out a new book Witches and Wizards, the real life stories behind the Oracle's greatest legends. I tell you what, I'm dying to know. I haven't read it but your publisher sent me the book but I haven't had time to. What's in the book? What are these stories? What are we, what are we going to find <laughs> okay. in the book? Well, I guess a lot of the book kind of grew out of things that I, I was really, really fascinated with. So we kind of begin with one of the witches in the book is the witch of Endor, who is a witch who appears in the book of Samuel in the Bible. Um, And she is... I, I was always intrigued by her. It was like, what is a witch doing in the Bible? Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are you in the Bible? Why are you in the Old Testament? That's really strange. And why are you still in the Bible? Like, how come you, you weren't driven out by, yeah. you know, at, at least... 2,000 years of fear. So I kind of begin with The Witch of Endor. You know that that television series, Bewitched, you know, that was around in the 60s? You know, Samantha's mum was Endora. She's named for the Witch of Endor. And so, yes, yes. So I tell the book of the Witch of Endor and I say, look, how is it that we've got this this witch sitting there in the Bible and she's compassionate, she's beautiful, she's a healer, she's a necromancer slash medium. Uh She is a profoundly beautiful and healing 
woman and why is she still presented like this even though Christians are so scared and I actually talked to quite a few Christians they get really upset about the witch of Endor actually being in the Bible and they don't like people bringing her up because she is a really nice witch and they don't know how to <laughs> they don't know how to deal with that so so I, I talked about her I talked about you know throughout the dark ages in the British Isles that there you know there isn't just this being called Merlin that we you know we've kind of shaped with our own modern sensibilities and consciousness there is an actual historical precedent in druidry that is the merlin the merlin and this merlin energy so i kind of wanted to sort of reclaim that pull it through and he's the great wizard you know he's the great great wizard so i wanted to look at that um because i've I studied druidry and i'm a member of the obod the order of bards ovates and druids and that's really important to me to sort of bring that energy back i wanted to also talk about the dark ages and there was a time when witches wizards and the local priests actually got along really well you know there's this whole kind of mythos that everything was dark and and terrible and troubled there was a whole period of time when we actually got along with each other pretty well and there was a lot of folk magic getting syncretized into christianity and christianity some of its rituals is actually very magically based as well so talk about the dark ages and a couple of rituals that are still in existence and were written down in the 1100s that are really cool that involve a wizard (laughs) um a wizard runes going to the church and then planting these amazing sods of earth into into the land it's a land blessing charm so I, I wanted to look at that I looked at Salem what really took place in Salem I looked at the burning times the history of the burning times which really started because of a church document but the church document came about, the Malleus Maleficarum, the Hammer of the Witches, came about because there was a series of almost natural disasters throughout Europe in the 1300s and 1400s. There was climate change, disease, and these circumstances created a perfect storm for people to become fearful and paranoia and paranoid. So I looked at them. I looked at Dr. John Dee, who's the greatest alchemist of all time and was the Merlin to Elizabeth I. And I go right through to the modern era as well. But let me ask you, did you channel this? Did you research it? A bit of both bit of both no no I'm a researcher so yeah I mean I guess I channel some things Mm -hmm. but it's more like I use my intuition to guide me to what it is that maybe might want to be revealed so no essentially I'm talking about reading court documents I'm talking about going to the towns walking in the streets, sitting in the British Library with gloves on um, being able to read through some of the original manuscripts I'm really passionate about scholarship as a really valid path to spirituality. You know, like a lot of people sometimes think, oh, that's not really very spiritual if you if you research. And I'm like, really? No, 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 no. I think if I can combine intuition and guidance <laughs> with grounded research, then I've got something really special. And sometimes what's really cool is your intuition says, why don't you go and look at blah, blah, or why don't you visit such and such, or why don't you, and then you follow it and then you find what your intuition has been telling you about. But it gets, you interweave the two. So, yeah, the the short answer is a little intuition, a whole lot of research and a lot of passion. A lot lot of passion. passion. Yeah, a lot of passion, Passion. a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. A lot of work. But, but, I don't but when, because you work as a medium, right, so you have... No. No? No, I Med- mean, I have me- I guess me- there are mediumship moments within... But you're talking reading. about your childhood. It was amazing. You had all these beings. You could see yeah. them. But I wouldn't describe myself as a medium. That's why I okay. think the word witch for me is really helpful because it encompasses so many different different things. So if someone came to see me, maybe a relative would come through, yeah. and sometimes they do. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen yeah. in a read? But no, I wouldn't describe myself as, as okay. a media. But I'm yeah. wondering if you had past life mem- when you were searching, because, you know, we always used to talk about being burnt at the stake. Ah, oh, we were burnt at the stake as witches in our past lives, you know. Uh, did you have any sort of recall when you were researching? Any sort of you know, fortunately, not so much this time. Um, I, I was just really so focused on telling some of these people's stories mm-hmm. as well, because I would find really strange things in the court re- records. So, for example, with the Salem chapter, 
when researching it, I, I didn't know I was going to go in this direction, but I found in the court documents that a blacksmith had been commissioned to make a pair of tiny shackles, really little shackles. And I, you know, my hunting instinct got alerted and I was like, why? Why? Why did they commission these little tiny shackles. And, we, you know, we know the reason why, but I was determined to find out why. So I combed through everything and I found her. I found this four-year-old girl who had been imprisoned as part of the Salem trials and her name was Dorothy Good and no one's ever really told her story, but I found Dorothy's, um, I found her interrogation documents. Wow. I found the three days this four-year-old girl spent with three adult men questioning her about the devil insanity and so that's really you know what I mean like I in one part of the the chapter on the burning times I found a whole town in Germany that had pretty much wiped out nearly 90% of its people and I was going through the court documents and I found one person after another and it kind of broke my heart but there was this one it was like you know, this girl's name, it was Gobel Babylon, um, 17 years old, the prettiest girl in town. That was the only description prior to her being burnt. And I wanted to find out who was she, who was she, and what happened in this town to make this insanity possible? Because it really was a kind of insanity that took place in Salem and throughout many places um, in Europe in the burning times. So I wanted to piece it together and to, but to tell some individual stories as a way of reclaiming some dignity and respect and compassion for these people who really are all owed an immense apology, yeah. you know. Yeah. I do not understand why the church has not come forward, you know, and the Catholic Church really should come forward, I believe, and make an official apology to women? To these. To no, women. not just to women, but to all the people. Because there were women, there were men, okay. there were animals, there were children, so many children. And I think there should be an official apology. Mm. And I cannot believe that to this day that, that, that they don't. Yeah. They don't. You know, there are some, yeah. I go into the story of the Pendle Hill witches in England and, in fact, the government in England made an apology to the Pendle Hill witches right. because what took place was wrong. And I think that's part, you know, I've always been really fascinated by this, but I'm also, sounds a little crazy, but I wanted to give a voice to people who at the time did not have a hope of their voice being heard. And, you know, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. So, Did you find yeah. any good stories amongst your digging? I mean, you said at the beginning the, the Endor, who's the good witch in the Bible, I mean, after Endor. Yeah, we should Endor. Were, I mean, were they documented? I mean, obviously the drama was documented, the burnings and all that sort of thing, but were the good stories documented? Look, I think that, you know, when I talk about the Dark Ages and this particular um, spell called the Land Charm that's documented, that's a really cool thing that we have this document that says hey look wizards used to sit around with the priest and carve runes into the land and then they'd all take it to the church to get blessed and then they'd all take it out to this to the field and stitch you know these blessed sods covered in runes into the field so there are really good things that I think the the chapter on John Dee um, who was an alchemist a mathematician a horoscope caster and the original angelic practitioner we wouldn't have anything to do with angels if it wasn't for this guy, John Dee. You know, he started this whole thing of talking to angels. His stories, it's not 100% good because lives aren't. Yeah. Lives aren't. Yeah. Lives are a hot of, of challenges mm -hmm. and fabulous moments and difficulties. So his stories is really, it's kind of up and down. But I think as we get to you know, we get to the conclusion of the book, we begin to see how far we've come. We see now that in the United States that there are registered within the armed forces over 5,000 Wiccans. We see that now um, fallen servicemen within the armed forces in the United States can be can be buried with pentacles and their whole symbols and there's no longer a fuss about it. We see that the witchcraft laws, which were still in existence in Australia in the 1970s, are being repealed, which has implications for all of us because in the 70s the Witchcraft Act meant that you couldn't actually legally give anyone a reading. Really? You couldn't. 
absolutely in the, in and the people 70s as in and in the 80s wow and there are still remnants of it in queensland really so Yes, absolutely. Now, this has had huge implications on anyone doing, you know, let's broadly say um, spiritual work. So it's kind of hilarious to me when people say, I don't like witches because I'm kind of like if we weren't out there trying to get these laws repealed, none of us would be able to do this work. So... Yeah, I agree. I agree. Look, there should be a little it, bit of gratitude there. <laughs> look, you know, when I was a kid, I'm just thinking how brave you are because when I was younger, you're not a kid, but when I was younger and I was doing energy work and stuff like that, I didn't touch the whole witch thing because of the history and I wanted yeah. people to understand what I was talking about. So I didn't go there. So that was my, yeah. that was not, that was not being courageous. So the courage that it takes to sort of say, this is who I am and I don't care about the bad history. It's not mm. how you've been taught. It's very courageous to do that. I think it was just courageous being spiritual in, in, or um, a it energy is. healer anyway. Yeah, but it is. And I think, you know, I think as well that I wouldn't want everyone to think, oh, because you say you're a witch, you're automatically a great person either. I think discern with everybody. <laughs> discern with discern with someone who talks to angels. Discern with someone who reads cards. Discern with someone who um, describes themselves as a light worker. Dis- discern with someone who describes themselves as a witch. By the person's actions and yeah. their energy, you will know them. Yeah. And I think that's the rule of thumb. Yeah. But with the book, you know, when we get to this modern time, even though we're there's still some difficulties we I think we've almost got this is me getting a little bit soapboxy almost but I really feel like we've inherited something from all of these people who've suffered we've inherited a moment of freedom that's undreamt of at other times in history yeah and although we do have yes we've got governments and yes we've got the media and yes we've got this and yes we've got that we have huge freedoms comparatively yeah and we've inherited this body of knowledge and work I think we have a little bit of a responsibility to be brave yeah absolutely yeah you're not going to get burnt you're you're not (laughs) it's amazing how many people still have that fear they still have you know ancient fears yeah that they're yeah I mean there's and they've I understand why, because they're resonating still to a degree with the with the traumatic experience. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. You know, we have we have, and I. But I think the unfortunate thing is, if you keep relating to the trauma, you won't be able to have an opportunity to come into your life's work yeah, yeah. as quickly as you could. Yeah. So we all have trauma. Yeah. We all do. We all have past life trauma. No yeah, doubt about it. Absolutely. And I think maybe this is where, you know, to go back to the beginning of our conversation, maybe this is where I got really lucky with my family yeah. because they. They, my dad always said, "There's nothing salt water can't cure. There's nothing <laughs> that a walk, <laughs> a walk in the bush, or a talk to a tree can't cure." Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? And it was always kind of like, "Well, get out of your own head for a little while, talk to a tree, and then do something for someone else." I think is the the quickest way out of the trauma as well is to not obsess about your own personal trauma. And I know it's very look. Some people have huge challenges huge challenge I don't want to trivialize them but it makes me really sad when I see people short-circuiting their own abilities and their own possibilities because the trauma is still ruling and controlling their lives and therefore the perpetrator of the trauma is still in in control I really believe that's our work you know the the perpetrator of Mm. trauma is the belief systems uh, whether they've come mm. from the past or your parents or your society or your religion, but the belief system mm. that says, I can't, I can't have, I can't be, I can't do, I can't get well. Yeah. I can't, yeah. you know. But, I mean, being on community radio, so I was on community radio for five years, so it's mainstream radio. It's not huge. It's not like there are millions of listeners, but when I'm talking about this stuff on community radio, there's still this fear in me that someone's going to come and perpetrate. Like, it was still there. I could yeah. feel it. I could see it. I, I knew yeah. it was rubbish but it was still there and I'd go well they're not they might think you're crazy but they're not going to burn you (laughs) that's right well this is the thing you will get look if you you do this work and it is a little bit like you know if you're shiny enough you're going to get moths it's it's just the way it is you will you know there will be people who criticize you there's there's people who will dislike us or project their stuff onto us and so on and so forth I think at the end of the day you've got to just keep your head down your bum up do your work and just keep being a decent human being yourself and 
you'll be, you've got to hope, you've got to hope that you'll be okay. You know, you've got to hope that you just keep going. Now, some days are tough. <laughs> you've got to know that you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? That it's, yeah. I guess the, I use the word hope because it's that sense of optimism. If we live from a sense of hopefulness and optimism, it has such a beautiful energy. You know, it's really expansive and it's really, it's more trusting. Yeah, I guess living from that is its own reward. It's a more joyful place and a peaceful place to live from. It makes you happy. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. So, okay. Lucy, where can people find out more about you? If people would like to come visit me, they can come to lucycavendish.com.au and they can also come to my YouTube channel, which is just Lucy Cavendish, and come play with me in sacred sites and stone circles and fairy forests. That would be really wonderful to see everyone there. Well, I'm going to go visit your fairy <laughs> I'll come play in a fairy forest. So <laughs> the YouTube channel is just YouTube slash Lucy Cavendish? That's right. Fantastic. Yep. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show, Lucy. It's been really great talking to you. It's been really cool. <laughs> it's been so gorgeous talking to you too, Lucy. Thanks so much for being on the Embrace radio show. And and you said that you're going to go into Embrace down at Westfield and do a book signing. So if people want to meet, if people who are in Sydney, I know this is a global show, but for people who are in Sydney <laughs> who'd like to get a copy of the book and meet Lucy and hear about witches, uh, witches and wizards. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a, a witch called Richard is a witch <laughs> a, a witch called Richard say that last five times <laughs> stay tuned check out the website embraceaustralia.com.au and stay tuned or you can go to their Facebook page Embrace and stay tuned to hear about when Lucy will be down in the shop if you're in because we haven't got a date maybe Richard has but we haven't got that date today thank yeah, you we'll so much it. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So great to talk to you. I've loved our conversation. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a great pleasure talking to you. It's been a hoot. It's, it's been, been an absolute cackle. <laughs> and we'll play some more of your gorgeous music. Who else would you like us to play? Oh, you know, I really love a band called Omnia. If you can get a hold of some stuff by Omnia, that would be fantastic. Fabulous. I will, for sure. Bye for now. Yeah. Bye-bye. That's Omnia, Naked Harp. They've got a new album out, published in November 2015. One Morning in May, that's called. Thanks for joining me for another hour on the Embrace radio show. Remember to check out embraceaustralia.com.au or go to the shop down in Westfield. If you're interested in who I am, please go to my website, karenswain.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-S-W-A-I-N. You can read all about who I am and what I do and see many of the radio shows and podcasts that I've done over the years. Also remember to visit us on Facebook. That's Soul Traveller Radio on Facebook, the home of conscious music. And you can now download the mobile app. It's a must. Go to the iTunes store or on Android and look for Soul Traveller Radio. It's fantastic. Thanks again. Enjoy your evening. Bye for now.